what's happening right now, we get an opportunity to hear from Guy Felicella. And again, if you're just joining us, one of the things that Guy has said is, quote, I wouldn't be alive today without harm reduction. I wouldn't have the life I have today without my recovery. And we wanted to spend some time on harm reduction and and what that has meant and some of the supports that people can get and what that has meant for Guy and what he advocates for today. And we began by asking him, as someone who had been living on the streets, battling drug addiction, what it was like and what he was dealing with because Guy overdosed six separate times. Yep, six times I was brought back to life. Six times. And when you were going through that part of your life, what was it that kept you in that life, knowing that that really you were that close to the other side? Yeah, it's that's such a complex question. I mean, it's it's really complicated in the sense of what people are going through inside, you know, like so many times throughout my life, I'd heard, you know, get off the drugs, your life would get better. And, you know, I, I was always trying to get off drugs. And in, in some circumstances, yes, sure, my life got better. But what didn't get better was how I felt about myself as a person from the trauma that I endured and the shame that um, you know, was projected over to me. And and that's something that, you know, I carried throughout my life. And, you know, that's what kept driving me back to the circumstances that uh, were relatively familiar of how I'd coped for so long, which was the substances. And so, you know, obviously, there's a lot of uh, challenges that we have with that. I mean, it tanked my whole life. But yet, um, what I was struggling with so much isn't what we always see is in the drugs. It's how we view ourselves as people. And, you know, when I got support for that, uh, you know, through trauma therapy and was diagnosed with ADHD, um, my life really started to change and change to what it is today. Guy Felicella joining us. Guy, we can walk down streets, whether it is in Vancouver, we can walk down streets in Winnipeg. You can fill in the blank with the city in London, Ontario. And we will see people who are using drugs. And sometimes the attitude is, oh, you can can just do drugs anywhere these days. When you hear that, what is it that you think about? Well, I just, you know, I I think about is there a place for people to use those drugs? I know people, it doesn't look pretty. And, you know, and the people don't want to be using drugs out in the open either. But if there isn't substantial places for them to go in and use those substances, then, you know, especially with the homeless and marginalized populations, then, you know, really they're going to use where they can. And obviously as well, you have to take into account is that a lot of people use together you know, um, on the street is because they watch over themselves because unfortunately our healthcare system often doesn't. And so we really have to do a better job at addressing, you know, those issues with, you know, harm reduction services, such as supervised consumption sites, but also for people, those facilities build connections with people and, you know, give them access to other services such as detox and treatment uh, services as well. That's how it worked in my life. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be alive today if harm reduction didn't exist. And, and I definitely wouldn't have the life that I have today if I if I wasn't, uh, you know, motivated through harm reduction services to go uh, into recovery, because the reality was, is that I was going to die. 
That's a that's a hard thing to hear. Um, but at the same time, those harm reduction services, they exist in a lot of places like fill in the blank with the city in London, Ontario. We do have harm reduction services. So you're saying they were they were key for you. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, the the thing in, in Vancouver is I don't know if you I don't think you have a supervised consumption site in London, but we do actually. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so those facilities are vital in building connections with people um, to get into uh, treatment and recovery. I, I mean, it wasn't the recovery industry coming down to the street to get me to tell me about recovery. It was really harm reduction folks telling me that, you know, hey, maybe you want to give this a shot. And and like I said, too, people are battling a lot more than just the drugs. It's sometimes, you know, the underlying issues, trauma, pain, shame, uh, no place to live. I, I mean, you know, we have to do a better job at, you know, housing our folks that are, are struggling and outside of a shelter. I mean, a shelter just is, you know, shelter is one of those avenues that doesn't, it, it's, a, it's a place where you can go and sleep, but is it a place where you can actually feel safe? It's not your own place. And so a lot of people have those challenges as well. That is Guy Felicella, and Guy is someone who had overdosed and been brought back six times. And we're talking about harm reduction, which you hear. We've got a lot of measures that assist in harm reduction. A lot of times people will say, yeah, but what are they really doing? What's really happening? Guy says without that, he's not where he is today. He may not be alive today. We'll hear more in just a moment because we're going to ask Guy about the difference between doing drugs in a safe consumption site and outside of a safe consumption site. That's next as London Live continues. This is London Live on 980 CFPL. We are in conversation with Guy Felicella, and Guy is someone who has experienced living on the streets, who has dealt with drug addiction, and now looks at the harm reduction and supports that help to get him to where he is, where he can advocate for people who are in similar situations. We asked Guy about the difference between doing drugs in a safe consumption site like we have here in London, like they have in Vancouver, a supervised consumption site, and doing drugs outside of a supervised consumption site. Yeah, most definitely. I, I mean, look, the toxic drug supply is, you know, killing basically 20 to 22 Canadians a day. Um, and, you know, here's the alternative. Uh, if people aren't using at these facilities or if they didn't exist, would it stop them from using anyway? Probably not. Uh, people are going to use because of what they're struggling with or whatever, however, however they got into those of those circumstances. But what the supervised consumption site does is it gives you the ability to, you know, build connections, definitely have uh, a person watching over you so that you don't overdose. I will say this wholeheartedly, there isn't a drug user out there that wants to die, um, but they're struggling. And so going into those facilities builds those relationships and connections because if you didn't have that facility, you're definitely not building a relationship with somebody in the back alley. And so those those are the important pieces of those facilities and what they do to help people, you know, 
get better. And I will tell you this, anybody walking into a supervised consumption site is actually saying like, hey, I, I know what I'm doing um, is hurting me. And so I want to try to do it as the safest way possible, which is somebody actually starting to turn the corner and look at taking care of their health a little better. And you got to remember, recovery is a process. It's a lifelong process for people. And it looks different for each individual. What we need to do is is focus on all the circumstances that keep people, you know, struggling and address those issues, which again goes back to, you know, housing, um, you know, poverty, um, trauma. And I think people like to scapegoat harm reduction as being the cause of it, but it's really all those other issues we haven't addressed for decades. Harm reduction is just there to reduce harm. It doesn't eliminate it though. Guy, how about the drugs themselves, because we know we've got a fentanyl problem in London, Ontario. We've got a fentanyl problem in a lot of different cities. When it comes to obtaining drugs, drugs that may not be safe if taken in a large quantity, but do we do we need to describe safe drugs versus unsafe drugs where maybe you're getting something you didn't expect to get? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, one of those highly debatable topics across Canada, but one you have to look at. Here's the alternative. Do we allow people to access, if their only choice is to access the unregulated toxic drug supplies, then that's where they'll continue to go to. And if they do have a choice at getting something that's uh, a known uh, drug that they're consuming and knowing what's in it, um, and, you know, with directions on a bottle that tells you how much you can consume before, you know, you run into risks of overdose, you, know, you have to look at the safer alternative to that. Um, because right now, you know, what's killing people is the fentanyl, the benzos, the xylazines and all the other adulterants that are going into these drugs. And so we just have to give people an option a choice. And that that's up to the person. I mean, if we only have the option, which is the toxic drug supply, then that's their only option. But if we have a safer alternative option, then at least some people will make the choice to access that instead of that market. And then, you know, you hope that um, that in itself helps people, um, you know, get better. And, and like I said, you know, um, I can work with people who struggle with addiction uh, and get them support and uh, into detox and treatment. I can't work with people when they're dead. Guy Felicello with us. Guy, one last thing, and that is you've mentioned the supports needing to come first. Countries like Finland get a lot of publicity for having a housing first strategy where people get into somewhere where maybe, as you alluded to, they feel safe. And from there, you can move forward. How important is that as a final question? I think that's the, the vital part of it, really, like stabilized housing. And guess what? For people who have lived on the street in Finland as well, is that if somebody gets their own place, they have support people that come there. And if they, you know, if their place is a mess, they teach people how to, you know, hey, this is how you wash your dishes or or clean your place. They support you through that, through your, through your struggles while they give you the housing but it's your own place. And I tell you this, when I had gotten a friend housing downtown, she struggled for, she was homeless for about 10 years in the downtown East side. And we finally got her housing. She said something that really dawned on me. She said, guy, I have 99 problems. And who'd have thought 
getting housing would solve 90 of them. Now I can work on the other nine. And that just really hit me like a ton of bricks. And really, if we want to start somewhere, let's start there and then support people and understand what they're struggling with, build those connections, and then get them on the path to wellness and recovery. Guy, thank you for finding the path to wellness and recovery so that you can do the work that you are doing now. It is good to have you on this earth. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it, man. That is Guy Felicella. You can check out more from Guy at GuyFelicella.com. You spell his last name F-E-L-I-C-E-L-L-A. GuyFelicella.com. And how about that? Talking with somebody who says they just got into form of housing. And her line, I have 99 problems. And who would have known that stable housing could solve 90 of them? Now I work on the other nine. We continue to look at ways to deal with some of the crises that everybody is experiencing in all cities. And Guy continues to do his work in trying to advocate and trying to change in some of the lives who are in the most vulnerable situations. We thank Guy for taking some time for us.